Welcome to Naturally Nourished, a food is medicine podcast that delivers cutting edge information and solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought out by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only and should not be used in place of any medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment from a licensed health professional. Now welcome your host, Allie Miller, Integrative Dietitian and owner of Naturally Nourished, and her Vice President, Integrative Dietitian Carly Vogler. Hi, y'all. This is Allie and Carly. Hey, hey. Bringing you podcast number 22. And today we're going to be switching gears from pregnancy and infertility to talking all about Candida albicans. I know a lot of people will be eager to hear what Allie has to say on this subject, since this is one of the most common sources of of dysbiosis that we see or imbalance of bacteria. So let's start by explaining to listeners, Allie, what exactly Candida is. Yes, so I'm super excited also to discuss this. This is a topic that I did not know anything about with conventional medical training. It's definitely not in textbook for registered dietitians and a lot of even physicians. They really only learn about yeast overgrowth when it becomes extreme and seen in symptoms like thrush, um, which is oral overgrowth of yeast. Candida albicans is a, um, and you can use candida for short, an opportunistic fungus. So it's a fungus that is a form of yeast that is naturally occurring. All of us have a level of candida within our body. However, as it's opportunistic, when it becomes excessive in the body, it can have pathogenic or negative or harmful effects in the body. And this overgrowth can lead a whole gamut of dysfunction within the body, a lot of digestive symptoms, um, and I think we'll get into big things, brain fog, things that you wouldn't even think are are yeast-oriented. And so today, we're hoping that you can listen up and make sure that you trend and track some of your symptoms. This is something that candida cleanse I do with some patients even in light of uh, a first you know harm approach prior to doing testing because it's something that is harmless it can help the body reset metabolically and it's something that I mentioned in the episode on my first trimester of pregnancy that I've done myself personally and, and Carly you've done I think a couple candida cleanses as well, right? Uh, definitely a few. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So both of us have uh, experienced beneficial outcomes from doing a protocol that we'll get into. So yeah, you started to get into some symptoms. Let's talk about, there's a bunch, um, so we'll try and divvy them up by general versus cognitive versus digestive. Sure. But let's talk about symptoms of this overgrowth of yeast that you're talking about and why this happens to everyone. Sure. So um, I guess the mechanism is first important to understand. So again, remembering that we have about three to five pounds of living bacteria within our body and it can work for us in a symbiosis or a harmonious expression in the body. When probiotic is functioning in the body, that can help us with micronutrient absorption. It can help us with anti anti-inflammatory support. It can help us optimize a healthy immune system as well as digestive tract. But when this becomes dysbiotic or imbalanced, especially with yeast, there tends to be a lot of toxic byproducts that are released 
from the yeast cultures. And the yeast themselves eat off of what the human itself consumes. And so that can create a lot of this byproducts of its carbon monoxide, carbon dioxide actually, and um, can play a big role in, in overall dysfunction. So general things we can see, uh, sweet cravings, extreme fatigue, and alcohol intolerance. These are all things that we can see tied to the excessive yeast. Sweet cravings often because sugar is the primary fuel source of the yeast. If you've ever made bread, you know, you've taken your active yeast in warm water and added a little bit of sugar and watched those little babies go crazy. And that's really what happens within your body. And so a lot of times people that have chronic sugar cravings tend to have candidiasis or yeast overgrowth. The fatigue occurs because of the die-off or the byproducts of the yeast as they metabolize those sugars. That can create a lot of fatigue within our, our system. And then alcohol intolerance can be because the liver sometimes gets taxed to try to process the die-off of the yeast, and so the liver is overburdened with the toxins, and that can drive excessive alcohol in the bloodstream or more neurological or cognitive dysfunction. That's the next one on here is cognitive. And I think so many people come in talking about brain fog, which can really inhibit your day-to-day life in an extreme way. And I think a lot of people want to blame hormones on that or aging um, and want to take their ginkgo or or certain different supplements, and they might be masking the symptom. A lot of times if we have, if you've heard of the book Grain Brain, you know, that's definitely tying more into the plaque formation in the brain from sugars, but we're talking about brain fog from the yeast actually occurring in, in the cognitive elements. So this can play a role with memory, It can also play a role with mood regularity. Remember in the gut is where we manufacture our serotonin and also our melatonin. So we can see issues with insomnia, we can see issues with depression, we can see irritability and mood swings and anxiety all based on that overgrowth of yeast in the body. The next one on here is digestive and I think this is probably the one that most people... Most obvious. Yeah. You know, Um, and so... Now this is yeast overgrowth or SIBO or small intestinal bacterial overgrowth is where people will describe having a food baby. So it's not necessarily based on how much you consumed at that meal. It's it's not going to be an immediate onset. It's going to be a progressive bloat that gets more severe throughout the day because literally your belly is brewing beer or making bread. And so what you're eating... Um, is being fermented and consumed by the yeast or bad bacteria overgrowth and they're releasing these compounds, this carbon dioxide, um, which is creating this bloating and distension and it's very palpable. Like people might literally be mistaken for being in their second trimester of pregnancy, not pregnant at all based on that bloating and that fermentation. To the point where your pants actually can't fit. Right, right. Which is so uncomfortable. So bloating or distension can be seen. Also, of course, gas. So whether it's flatulence and passing gas or belching. And then we can see irregular bowel as far as both constipation and diarrhea can be yeast caused. And that can even lead to things like itchiness in the rectal area. This is usually tied also to hypochlorhydria or too low of stomach acid. And what's interesting again is that if we're taking a uh, proton pump inhibitor like Nexium or Protonix, those medications inhibit our hydrochloric acid or a healthy gastric juice or a healthy pH in the stomach. And that buffered stomach environment or hypochlorhydria 
hinders our digestive function and also sets up more opportunity for the yeast or bad bacteria to overgrow. So it kind of creates this vicious cycle. And then as the yeast overgrows, they continue to drive a more buffered environment. And so it creates this abnormal, um, undesired pH, which only proliferates more of the overgrowth of the imbalance. The next one here is pain management. Yes. So inflammation in general, aches, pains, especially in the fascia, skeletal muscular tissue, headaches, and then joint aches even can be all driven from the candida overgrowth or yeast overgrowth. And that's when I think that a lot of people do not attribute. Even severe migraines, I've had patients that the overgrowth of yeast has really driven their migraines and they'll attribute it to other things. And typically those foods are foods that erupt or cause yeast flares so it's like oh well, i get migraines from wine or champagne well and you know champagne is a yeasted beverage or you know oh it's it might be the gluten in the bread when it might actually be the baker's yeast in the bread itself and up next is um immune dysfunction which is pretty widespread absolutely uh, a big one so immune dysfunction beyond autoimmune disease, we can see susceptibility to bacteria or infections. This also ties in with that buffered pH in the body, so it's the suboptimal whole body uh, uh, system of imbalance. And then we can see increased food and chemical sensitivities. So as we've spoken to this concept of leaky gut before, if you have yeast lining your gut lining, and your gut has those finger-like projections, uh, the microvilli, which are supposed to scoot food particles down the gut, that's the surface area of where you absorb micronutrients. Well, if you have yeast coating that surface area, you're going to become micronutrient deficient. And also, there could be gaps within those finger-like projections, and that's where larger food particles are going to leach into the bloodstream, and the immune system goes haywire. Just like high pollen day, it responds to excessive antigens coming in through your digestive tract. So that leads to more food and chemical sensitivities. Uh, next up is dermatitis. So we talked about dermatitis from the detox elements. Dermatitis definitely has a high strong correlation with yeast as well. We can see cystic acne, rashes, eczema, hives. All of these can be driven by that excessive yeast or imbalance of bacteria. And then the last one to consider is genital yeast. And that's, I think that the, the medical, American medical association or you know typical standard doctors acknowledge the genital yeast and the thrush and that's pretty much it so the thrush we didn't mention but that's the overgrowth in the mouth the oral yeast um, genital yeast would be like yeast infections actually men can get genital yeast as well and then even utis it's a urinary tract infection or bacteria overgrowth can be driven by that dysbiosis or that candida so these are definitely some wide-ranging symptoms. I'm yes. sure everybody out there thinks they possibly have it at this point. Yes. Uh, but there's one more really bizarre one that I just wanted to touch on that you kind of spoke about, but this auto-brewery syndrome. Yes. So I mentioned, you know, that, that distension or bloating can be like the body trying to brew beer in, in itself. And actually people that have this yeast overgrowth can actually get quote-unquote drunk by excessive carbon dioxide production. It can actually uh, play a role with dizziness, vertigo, uh, cognitive decline or dysfunction, and a little bit of a woozy-like symptom. And they do get that significant distension or bloating. So it's that yeast, that rising loaf of bread in their body, 
body that actually uh, releases an alcohol-like effect based on the fermentation. And that's getting drunk without drinking any alcohol. Yes, yes. <laughs> very, yeah. very weird. Uh-huh. Um, so for all those people who are sitting there wondering if this is the cause of all of their issues, how can people find out if they have candida? What kind of tests are available? So one thing you can do is you can look at a blood test. So the blood tests that are available, there's an antigen test that looks at candida antigens if your body or immune system was fighting candida, as well as the MRT test. And the MRT test is one of the most popular panels that we run at Naturally Nourished. The MRT test looks at 150 foods and chemicals, the candida being one of those chemicals, and it assesses also for the inflammatory response by the immune system based on the presence of that chemical. I will say though that with both blood tests, you can get elevated antigens or elevated inflammatory processes to the yeast after having eradicated or removed the yeast from the body. So sometimes you can get a false positive if you do the blood too close to a cleanse because your immune system is responding. What they're doing in that test is they're inducing the yeast to your blood and your blood is like pissed off by it, you know, because your blood has made awareness that it is angered by that compound. So on its own, it, that's not really the best or gold standard uh, diagnostic criteria. We would really want to look at a stool test. Um, a stool test is going to be a great way to look at if there is um, different forms of fungus in the stool as well as dysbiotic bacteria. And then if you're looking to distinguish between small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, you could look at a hydrogen breath assessment. And there's also a urinary um, test that we can do to look at the organic um, acids, which are the byproducts within the body, and those can look at, at yeast overgrowth. However, as I said in the beginning, a candida cleanse is something that you can do prophylactically, and by that I mean it's something that you can go through this six-week protocol and actually support your system even if you did not have yeast overgrowth. It can kind of plow the fields of your gut microbiome and reset good beneficial bacteria. So I think that it's a good option and a most cost-effective way. We have actually on our website, which is really exciting in our shop, some supplement bundles. And so I will refer to a couple different products and things that help to eradicate yeast. Um, we have one bundle that's called Bacterial Reset and then another one actually called Candida Cleanse. And so I'll walk you through that Candida Cleanse, excuse me, bundle today. And um, that would be, to me, the most cost-effective and quick and easiest way to know because you will experience some die-off symptoms as we'll speak to and um, you would be still supporting your system throughout the process even if you didn't have the yeast. Absolutely, that's so helpful. Um, so for... All of those curious about where to start, let's talk about the food stuff before we dive into the supplements yes. and just talk about what people can eat during this cleanse and what to avoid. Yes. So when we're looking at the diet, the first thing we want to focus on again is starving off the overgrowth of the yeast. So we're, we're using this idea of removing the irritant. So that means that we have to both eradicate and kill off the yeast, which is going to require some antifungal support but we also need to remove the fuel source from what's been strengthening the, the yeast overgrowth in the body. So the first thing to do is to restrict carbohydrates to a maximum of 60 grams a day. This typically is going to look like 
two starch choices of about a half a cup serving each. And we like to recommend doing starches only from starchy vegetables and legumes and avoiding grains throughout this entire process because grains can have a very sticky influence on the GI tract beyond the element of the lectins and some of the controversial elements of grains. I don't like to recommend grains during a yeast cleanse because that, that longer fermentable element of them. You may, if you're, if you're stronger with your diet, even avoid beans and only do starchy vegetables, and that would put you at one cup total of starchy vegetables a day, plus about two fruit choices. Um, and, and I would say one to two fruit choices, because if you're making three carb choices a day, you're going to get those remaining 15 grams in the negligible foods um, or the non-carbohydrate-centric foods like nuts and seeds, avocado. All of those foods have trace uh, carbohydrates as we've spoke to in our ketosis podcasts and things like that. So generally speaking, choosing three carb choices, either from starchy vegetables and or fruits, and that's going to keep you within 60 grams total per day. Um, we want to avoid all foods that have yeast in them. So yeasted foods, foods that rise beyond just grains and whole grains. Of course, flour-based foods like doing pizza or um, doing things like breads or bagels. These things are definitely going to drive the yeast overgrowth and any refined carbs in general like ice cream or sweetened foods. We want to also avoid vinegar, which is going to be a yeasted food. And we may even avoid mushrooms. Um, when mushrooms are cooked, it does reduce some of the fungal elements of them. And that would really depend on the patient and how restrictive their current diet is of whether we would allow that, that food in. Okay. So we're avoiding sugar, yeasted foods, refined carbs. Um, carbohydrates in general are going to be the focus. But what can people eat and focus yes. abundance on? Oh, and I guess one more thing to mention to avoid is as far as alcohol, making most certain we're avoiding fermented alcohols like beer and yeasted alcohols, beer, champagne, a ales or hard ciders. Uh, so like pear cider, or apple cider that's hard um, or fermented. And then um, also alcohol in general tends to have a sterilizing effect on the gut. So we would try to avoid that during this period of time. So foods we want you to eat are going to be foods that are Focus that have antimicrobial and antifungal benefits. Coconut oil is one of those. Coconut oil is very high in monolauric acid and caprylic acid, and this has natural antifungal properties, which is why I recommend coconut oil as one of my favorite bedroom lubricants because it can help ladies prevent <laughs> Carly's blushing. Um, <laughs> it can help ladies prevent um, UTIs. It can also help with regulating a healthy vaginal flora. Um, and so coconut oil is one that you can use topically. Same thing for dermatitis. If you're experiencing der dermatological flares and we think that the candida is an element of that, coconut oil would be a good application there. Uh, coconut oil in the diet, eating it raw, adding it to smoothies, using it in your cooking. Turmeric, turmeric, garlic, and oregano all have antifungal and antibacterial astringent properties. So using these seasonings in your cooking is going to be fantastic. And then olives and olive oil also have natural antibacterial benefits. And in general, focusing on proteins and fats and non-starchy non yeah, vegetables. Exactly, yeah. non-starchy veggies. Yep. Okay. So we talked about the food on a cleanse. Now let's get into these antifungals and the supplement bundles that you were talking about and what, what people can take, what to look for, um, and dosage and all that kind of stuff. 
Yes. So when we're looking at killing off yeast, we want to use a two-part focus. We want to give some aromatic support, um, and we also want to give some astringent support. So aromatics are going to come from typically caprylic acid. Um, another aromatic that we see is in the compound of un un. Undecyclinic, undecyclinic acid. There's a product we use called Undecin, but undecyclinic, I think it is. Caprylic acid has the same compound. And then other aromatics are found in like oregano. Um, and, and those have the ability to basically pop those yeast particles and drive apoptosis or cellular suicide. That aids in the die-off of the yeast. Um, there's a product called Candibactin AR. Um, and this is in our Candida Cleanse product. And actually that's one that patients really like because it kind of tastes like a natural breath mint. It has some of the ingredients, like I mentioned, the oregano and these natural herbal compounds that help not only to refresh the breath, but do help with this popping. It's in the mint um, carminative family and help with killing off uh, the yeast overgrowth. So there's thyme, oregano, and other carminative herbs. We like to take that separated from food because otherwise that's going to cause a little bit more belching or fermentation because it does battle with that oxygen. So caprylic acid and the candibactin AR are the two formulas that are my go-to for the aromatic. And then as far as astringents, I always drive with berberine. Berberine is going to be a uh, compound. We like to source it from Oregon grape root. Um, it's a bright, bold, yellow root. And berberine helps to drive bioflow. So it helps the liver in actually supporting the detox process from the die-off. But it also helps to drive up that hydrochloric acid to be astringent and really kill off the yeast overgrowth in the body. So you want to make sure you eradicate with both the aromatics and the astringents as well as supporting the liver. Um, there are pharmaceutical options as well. Now, I would not do prophylactically a pharmaceutical option because pharmaceuticals can be very uh, specific or non-specific, excuse me. Pharmaceutical agents can really clean the entire system and can really create this void experience in the body as far as bacteria balance, which is why a lot of patients get yeast overgrowth following antibiotic use. When we use a systemic antibiotic, the body's more prone to actually bad bacteria getting in there and setting up camp. And so Nystatin and Diflucan are two of the more popular pharmaceutical agents for yeast overgrowth, but these would only be used in severe cases and then still followed with or used in synergy with natural compounds. Because again, those pharmaceutical agents really are too sterilizing and that can create the environment of then bad bacteria, even worse strains overgrowing in the body. So not something that we would take as easily as we would the Candida Cleanse packs. Okay. And with this process between the food and the antifungals, about how long do people have to expect to be on this cleanse? So typically we're doing a minimum of six weeks. If we had severe yeast overgrowth, it may go anywhere between eight to 12 weeks. But we, we commit to six weeks, and especially if we weren't doing labs and we were just doing the cleanse, it would be a six-week process. Okay, so not so bad. That's doable, a month and a half. Yes, yes. And you've mentioned a couple times how taxing candida can be on the liver with the, you know... Um, toxins that it's producing and this die-off that yes. you've referred to. What can people expect in terms of symptoms when going through a cleanse? 
That's a great question because actually we've had a couple people that have stopped halfway through their candida cleanse because they didn't know to expect things to get worse before it gets better. And this is actually something that is known as the Herxheimer reaction. Herxheimer reaction is this concept that um, the body can suffer before it heals. And in the yeast pathology or in this example with the candida overgrowth, what happens is these endotoxins or these toxins in the body released by the yeast um, can overburden the system during this die-off process. And so if you have all these yeast, if you think of them as like little bubbles, these little yeast particles holding toxins in them, and then we're popping them and exploding them and trying to kill them off, they're all releasing toxins in your system. And we can see a whole array of die-off symptoms. We can see things like uh, diarrhea or bowel urgency. We can see nausea, headaches, flu-like symptoms, especially like the achiness in the muscles. We can see fatigue in general, more significant brain fog or joint pain. Um, and we can also see flares in the dermatitis. However, I will say this does not last the entire six weeks. It's really important to tell people that. Um, this typically will come about in the first five to 14 days. It's typically gonna be, and for some people it will happen in the second day of the process or the first day, the immediate time they've taken these compounds. Um, and I always see it as a positive because I always see that as a sign of the body eradicating or removing something that was causing dysfunction. And so getting rid of this is gonna cause a, or lead to a more long-term benefit than the short-term discomfort that is experienced. And is there anything that people can do to kind of help deal with these symptoms? Yes, so so that's a really great question too. So one of the products, the, the, third, the fourth, excuse me, that I haven't mentioned in our Candida Cleanse bundle is Amino Detox. And we like to give this to patients when they're doing a candida cleanse because as we've talked about in our detox podcast, there's two phases of detox. There is the release and activation of toxins. And so when you're killing these yeast cells, again, they're releasing toxins on a high amount. The second phase is to actually encapsulate and excrete these toxins to facilitate the removal of them out of the body. And so phase one is happening by the die-off. That's happening from the berberine, that's happening from the caprylic acid and the candibactin AR. You also wanna support your body with antioxidants during this phase one so that we're not getting free radical damage. But the biggest, most powerful supplement to use is the amino detox. And that really helps in supporting the die-off symptoms because it encapsulates and removes those products that have been released from the yeast. So in conjunction with that, we recommend uh, cruciferous vegetables. We wanna support the detox process in general by of course maintaining ample hydration, so at least 80 fluid ounces of water a day, supporting sweating like using a sauna or um, a dry heat application or steam room, hot yoga would be beneficial during this time, supporting the colon with high fibrous foods, so your chia seed, your flax seed. We uh, will recommend phytofiber if patients are getting um, constipated or dealing with issues in the bowel because that only creates more of that toxic burden to the system. Sleep is super important during this time. And then within your baths, we like to recommend things like essential oils. You could use the same essential oils that we discussed. So you could use oregano, you could use tea tree, which is also very astringent. Epsom salt baths help. And then drinking lemon in your water also will help to support that liver in the cleanse. 
Okay, so another question that people probably have in the back of their mind is they might be taking a probiotic at night. Is that going to affect their cleanse? Is there anything they should be wary of taking at the same time? How do do probiotics work with this whole system? So for the the six-week period, a general probiotic, the way I would say, because I don't have the time to look at all of your probiotics, I would say generally discontinue your probiotic during a six-week yeast cleanse. In fact, even healthy fermented foods like uh, the Bragg's apple cider vinegar, which is going to be that fermented vinegar that has the mother in it, which is the culture or the probiotic. We have patients hold on using that until week four. So we're really holding off on the probiotic foods, including things like yogurt or um, kimchi or kombucha. Some patients that have severe yeast overgrowth, we'd hold off on those the whole six weeks. Others can start to try at week four. As far as probiotics, because they can be so varied in a supplemental form, there's only one that I support during a yeast cleanse, and that's a probiotic that has macrophage capabilities. And macrophage is the ability to eat away at bacteria die-off. So this is supporting hand-in-hand the amino detox. And um, the product that I'm referring to that we use is called probiophage. So it has that word phage in there. We don't include it in our Candida Cleanse pack because it's not required for everyone. But if you wanted to include a probiotic the whole time, that's really the only one that I'd recommend. And then as far as post the cleanse, we most definitely recommend a probiotic and we wanna look for one that has Saccharomyces cultures. These are actually in the yeast family. So these are gonna be found both in the apple cider vinegar and the kombucha, those liquid fermented beverages. And these really help to maintain healthy yeast balance in our system. The product that I recommend for that, it's a Metagenics uh, probiotic called Ultraflora Acute Care. And the Acute Care product is one that I recommend post-Candida cleanse. But during the six weeks, the big thing that we're targeting on is using those four products in the Candida pack. So typically we do the Candibactin BR with food because that's that berberine driving one and that would be like two with breakfast, two with dinner. Um, We do put suggested use on our um, website for you to help support this. And so again, the aromatics, the AR and the caprylic acid are taken without food. So typically like rise and 3 p.m. or midday. And then the amino detox, we take two to four a day, depending on how severe the symptoms are. So it could be taken um, at rise, lunch, and bed, or just like bookends, rise and rest. And that helps with those symptoms of the headache, the brain fog, the body aches, and so forth, and, and supports the liver and the cleanse. And then the probiotic foods would really be emphasized also post-cleanse because we're really targeting this six weeks to hit hard and kill off. We don't want to be trying to build and fight at the same time. Um, But towards the tail end of the cleanse, it is okay to start to bring in those synergistic beneficial cultures so that we don't completely uh, cleanse too far and then leave the system raw and vulnerable to other bad bacteria strains. So let's just help people find what all these things we've been talking about. On the website, AllieMillerRD.com, if you clip the shop tab, um, a green bar will pop up and then just click nutritional supplements and you'll see that there's a candida cleanse pack and it's all of these supplements that Allie's referring to. Um, Allie, do you want to tell anyone who this might not be safe for? Um, As 
far as populations it's not safe for, I can't think of any. Just pregnant people, maybe? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, this is true. Yeah, any time, I'm, I'm like, huh, like, I can't think of any medication interaction. Um, and I was like, blood pressure, diabetes, <laughs> no. And in fact, uh, berberine is actually supported to help both blood pressure and blood sugar regulation. So again, that's why this is pretty across the board, something beneficial and first do no harm. However, very true. She looked at me like pregnant people. Um, <laughs> yes, when you are pregnant, it is important. Just like when we talked about the detox, um, it's important that you aren't increasing the release of toxins in your body because a lot of that does cross the placental barrier. And some of the herbal compounds that are used in the candida cleanse also could drive early onset of contractions. So you A, don't want to overburden the placenta with toxic die-off, and B, you don't want to take anything herbally that could drive early uh, labor onset. So yes, good good call, Carly. Um, But other than that, it it would be appropriate for across-the-board populations and a great jump start to boosting your metabolism because if you're waiting to jump in on, you know, this carb restriction or feel out what a low glycemic diet looks like, this is a great way to support your cleanse. And if you're using the cookbook, um, our Naturally Nourished Cookbook, you can follow in the index any of those ketosis-friendly recipes. And and really with the Candida Cleanse, don't you think the 60 grams, you could almost just navigate the book. But you would sure. want to watch. You know, sure. you would want to watch. And at the bottom of every recipe, you'd want to just watch your total carbs. Some of the higher carb dishes get up into 30 grams, like some of the smoothies. But most of them are going to be lower than 20. And so three meals a day should easily keep you still on track within that 60-gram range. Yeah, I definitely think the the cookbook is a good addition to that. Yes. And then I just wanted to mention as far as other foods. So, you know, we talked about the element of fiber, but when we want to bump up antioxidants, you want to remember during a candida cleanse, you don't want to get your antioxidants from your fruits or from your starchy vegetables as your primary sources because of that carb restriction. So beyond things like the turmeric, drinking green tea during a candida cleanse can be very helpful or um, adding ginger to things can be very helpful. Rooibos tea is something that I love to do that is high phytocompound antioxidants. So antioxidants in non-carbohydrate sources, leafy greens, even dark cacao, um, unprocessed chocolate would be reasonable as long as it doesn't have refined sugar in it, Um, and then nuts and seeds. Those are going to be your go-to antioxidant supporters. And then just like we, we discussed in the detox episode, your cruciferous family and your allium family is going to be your go-to for that phase two detox support. So the abundance foods would be your Brussels sprouts, your cauliflower, your cabbage, your um, shallots and garlic and onions. All of these are going to aid in that safe uh, excretion of the toxins from the die-off. So big picture summary is remove the fuel source, which is those refined carbs, the yeasted foods, the vinegars, the alcohols that are fermented. Fuel your body with antioxidants and phase two detox supporting foods. And support your system if you wanna actually do a true candida cleanse with a candida cleanse pack for a six week period to experience the benefits of improved cognitive function, reduced belly fat, uh, improve metabolism, energy, and reduce ba- uh, pain, I'd say, throughout your body as well, as well as improve digestion. For sure. So hopefully this has been a, a very helpful podcast. I know 
Candida affects a lot of people, and I'm hoping that this sheds some light. Um, please remember that at the bottom of the podcast page, the Ask Allie block, to send in your questions. We want to answer them. If you have any questions about um, thyroid or some some topic we have not touched on, please send them in, and we'll either have a Q&A topic to cover all the questions, or we'll just pick yours and talk about that. And if you have a particular question from the episode that we've discussed, just ask us and we're happy to send you direct links or suggestions. If we talk too fast, <laughs> sometimes I tend to do that. I'm happy to give you solutions to optimize your health uh, for your whole system. Um, thanks for tuning in, guys, and we will catch you for episode 23. Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished Podcast. Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Carly at AllieMillerRD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well. <laughs>